began pastoring years ago, 30 plus years ago, what I wanted to accomplish then versus what I want to accomplish now are miles apart. My heart every Sunday is to do my best to hear what I believe heaven would want to tell us and then I show up and try to tell us and, and my heart and Robin's heart as we move for another 10 years is that we will lead you boldly and strongly. My prayer is that I'll never shy away from telling you what I read in the Bible even if it hurts, stings. We all have to grow from it. And so our next 10 years is to not just follow Jesus but it's to grow up. And for a long time, we've said love, power, community. We want you to know Jesus loves you, and he does, but now we're wanting to call you to follow him. We've also said we're about power, love, power, the Holy Spirit. He wants to help you. But not only does the Spirit want to help you now, it's time for us to grow up, to go to the next level, to call us higher. And then not only that, about community, just come and hang out together. We're all called on a mission field to go and reach other followers. So as I was praying about where to go, as Robin said a, a few minutes ago, so graciously of, of what I share, I do hope it's meaningful. And I hope it challenges you because I'm going to leave you with a very deep challenge. It's going to require a big commitment out of you. And I, and I pray it helps you. The series on my heart is followers. I've been wrestling with it a long time. I've wrestled with it because I often dive into conversations that challenge me. I'm not afraid to have conversations with people who don't believe. I like it. It challenges me. I like when somebody tells me they don't believe in God or they don't believe the Bible or they don't believe in creation. I love it. It sharpens me a little bit. It makes me dive in to see what do I really believe. I feel like in my education and my learning over the years that uh, if I did not believe it, Genuinely, I wouldn't be standing here downloading it to you. I genuinely believe what I share with you to be true. What I've worked out, what I've fought out, what I've cried out, even when I don't understand it, and that's often a lot. I had a conversation with Robin on a date night the other night, and I said, look, I'm struggling with this thing about knowing Christ. You'd think at 57 I could define what it means to know him. And I said, what are your thoughts? Like, I need, I want to know what you think it means to know him because I know that's where I'm headed. What does it mean to know him? I have all my thinking because I grew up in church to know him. Read your Bible, go to church, pray, give your tithe, give your offering, serve, work, use your gifts. I mean, I understand all of it. I, I know the religious lingo, but the depth of it, the depth of what does it mean to really follow him. So I launched out a journey to try to understand it with you and try to download to you what I have worked out myself from Scripture. And I hope, it, I hope it does challenge you today. Here it is, Matthew chapter 4. It's a legacy Scripture to me. Because I read it years ago when I first started pastoring. And it challenged me. And I, I think I even remember I preached a sermon around it. I was so excited. And, but now it, it doesn't really resonate as a sermon for me. It resonates more as I've got a job to do and I better make sure I do it well. It comes in Matthew chapter 4 and Jesus to a few fellas says, hey, I want you to follow me. He calls them by name, Peter, follow me. Uh, James, follow me. You know, he starts calling his disciples together and he issues a decree. This is what we looked at last week. The decree is come, follow me. 
in, in the tradition, it would lend itself that maybe they knew who he was. I don't know. Some, some believe that they did know. They had grown up with him in the region. They knew it was Jesus. They knew he was smart. He was wowing people at 12 years old. So when he comes and says, follow me, they drop everything. And immediately, they just begin to follow him. But what we said last week is this is almost an enigma. What does it mean to follow him? Where are we going? How long will we be there? Do we need to pack? Do I need makeup? Is it a cruise? Is it not? Where will we stay? I need to let my... Do you have child care? I need to know if you have child care. I mean, we've got something to feed the camels and the donkeys if we're going. None of that. It is just a blanket, follow me, and then some dudes going, okay, sure. Okay? Like, no questions or anything. But then in the green, what we said is it's not just follow aimlessly... He's going to turn us into something. It, it wasn't ever haphazard with Jesus. He, he wants to move you from just aimlessly following to, oh gosh, there is a requirement on me. And what I'm wanting to take us to in the next 10 years is, yes, there is a requirement on us who say we follow him. And then in the blue, and this hurts, it's going to take me a while to get here in, the, in these series of teachings, but, and I'm going to teach you to fish for people because when I read the blue for people, I suddenly have this overwhelming thing that this isn't ever about me anyway. And I tell you, it took me a long time to get to this is not about me because for a long time, it's all about me. I need you to do this for me and that for me and this for me and then get your feelings hurt when God doesn't jump through hoops for you. And then you realize he called him in. Hey, it's really not even about you anyway. Everything I'm going to do with you, Mark, is to reach other people to come back and follow me. So you're going to follow me. I'm going to take you somewhere. But in taking you somewhere, you're going to grow up. And I'm going to expose everything in you. Because here's what I know about being made. God will expose the depth of why you really started to follow anyway. Because the moment you say yes to him, and it's giddy, it feels good... Believe me, there's coming a little bit of green that's going to expose why you got in the game anyway. It's for all of us in the room. Then it says this. This is what's strange. Large crowds followed him, Matthew 4.25, from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. So now we not only have that he calls few, Josh, follow me, you know, uh, Chris, follow me. Brian, follow me. Chris, follow me. Calls you by name. That's giddy. Charity, follow me. But then it lends itself that a bunch of people he never even calls by name just show up. And if you read the Gospels, it's astounding. It's like 3,000, 4,000, 5,000. They're on the hillside. People are buzzing around town. There's so many people they can't get house. They're ripping roofs off. That would have ticked me off if I was a homeowner. But, I mean, they're just doing all kind of crazy things. Demons are coming out of people. Little kids are getting raised up. So imagine that around town there's a buzz. Everybody's buzzing about this guy. So now they're all showing up. But in everybody showing up, what's going to happen, and it happens in all of us, as you follow Jesus, the real you gets exposed. The longer you follow him, the less you can fake it. Now, you can be religious and fake it, but you can't follow him and fake it. Then, here's where it gets interesting. News about him spread throughout Syria, so they brought to him, and this is where it becomes, I think, 
not only a, a praise moment, but a definite stop and think because it shows me something about humans and specifically about myself. So they brought to him all who were, and then it just gives a litany of problems, all who were afflicted. Uh, that word afflicted is you got some mental issues, a, an ex-girlfriend issue, boyfriend won't get off my back issue, like afflicted, like just life isn't working for me. Well, all of those people are coming to it. And then those suffering from various diseases. I got a headache, my sciatica's out, got a gimp hip, my ears are clogged. All those people start coming to him. And then those with intense pains. Anybody been there? Okay, nobody. <laughs> I, I often joke with Robin, I said, I'll never know what it's like to bear children, but if it's anything like an abscess tooth, I'm not in. I've had an abscess tooth. I literally, in an abscess tooth, I was in my mid-twenties, I was asking Jesus to come take me home. Literally. I hurt so bad, I was just like, just kill me. Just kill me. Just take me home to be with Jesus. I had went through all the Tylenol codeine. It quit working. And so now it's just me and God. So I'm here today because God didn't take me. Praise God. Because I would have went. I would have like, me So intense pain. And those that are demon-possessed. Which is weird. But what it tells me is that in humans... There is the potential for the spirit world to hijack your life and use you to do what they want to do with you. Now, if a demon can hijack a human to do with what they want, it stands to reason that so could the person who says, follow me, maybe his intent was to hijack me so he could use me as well. So the demon possessed, then this, the epileptics, those that uh, have a genetic problem, and the paralytics. So, so now I've got those that are just have issues, mental, social issues, those that got different diseases, uh, gooby eyes, bad ears, sinus problems, back problems. Then I've got those that just have intense pains, nothing you can do, you're trying every remedy, nothing. Demon possessed people, so there's some spiritual healing. Epileptics, there's some genetic people that have genetic problems, they need healed. And then there's some, we would assume, paralytics, maybe life did it to you, maybe you were born paralyzed, but nevertheless, some reason you can't walk or move. And they all come to him, and then he does something that is profound. It's a blanket, three, four, three letters, he healed them. And, and then you just stand back and go, that's amazing. No wonder everybody followed him. If he's doing this, this place would be packed out. Why is there one empty chair right now if this could actually happen? Then it tells me, well, it doesn't happen. And I go, ah, da, 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 da. It, I, I still believe it happens because I have testimonies of healings. I have testimonies where people say, and God did this for me. Well, if that be true and we're 2,000 years, where are all, why are the seats empty? If this be true, this is astounding. No insurance card needed. You don't have to be on Medicaid. All right, everybody on Medicaid, get over here. They're going to pray for you last. Like nothing. Like just show up. Nobody's asking if they go to church. Nobody's asking if they're plugged in. Do they tithe? Nobody, they just show up and go, what's wrong? Oh, my back. Oh, God, my back's healed. Whew. 
Glory to God. Now, I love this. It packs the place out. It's exciting. However, we have a problem. A huge problem. And the problem is, when Jesus says, follow me, that phrase by itself lends itself to a myriad of interpretations. Very ambiguous. If I, if I polled the room and said, what does it mean for you to follow Jesus? We would have everybody give a different reason. Well, I think it means go to church. I think it means tithe. I think it means all of that. I think it means read your Bible. I think it means be in community. I think it means discipleship. Like we all are going to give our reasonings. So here's this Jesus fellow going, follow me, and crowds of people just show up. And crowds of, and when I say crowds, thousands of people are buzzing about him. The Bible says he did so many miracles that all the books of the world could not contain what he did. We got four little gospels. John says, I couldn't, I couldn't even find enough books to write down everything he did. So when this Jesus says, follow me, it just lends itself to be kind of a meaningless phrase, kind of like it is today. Well, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. But by God, there's nothing different about you. Well, I, I believe in Jesus, but you, you're a hellion. Like, your life is a wreck. But because today, to follow Jesus just means believe in him, and then YOLO, you do you. And if you want to follow and be gay, follow and be mean, follow and be an addict, follow and be whatever, good. Just be you, but follow him. And this cannot be, because this is not the gospel. Because when the gospel says follow, it's calling something out of us. And here's where it gets interesting. If we parse it out and translate it, here's what we would probably come with. Follow means that my blank will be satisfied. The request I give to him. Like the reason large crowds followed him is he was answering their request. And anytime a God out there answers a human down here, crowds start showing up. I've even heard people, if we could just get one person to get out of a wheelchair, revival would hit. And I would say, well, then, then you're leaning that nobody's ever gotten out of a wheelchair, and they have, and we're still not packing it out. Well, if we could just have one blind eye open, I mean, you could get a blind person to see. We could pack this place out. Yeah, you probably would. You would pack it out. We'd be standing around the wall and everybody kind of bringing their, I'm next in line. I got my little knee. I'm next in line. And we're all lined up, you know, waiting to get him. And I'm next. Okay. Yeah, he did it for a blind person. He can do it for me. I know he can. And everybody's buzzing. And we're on Instagram, like Instagram Live. We're just live feeding. It's like, oh, how many people are watching? Oh. And it would be wonderful. We would go home tired. We would go home posting stories. We would go home telling about the wonderful things he's done. But the issue is he's already done all of that stuff and we still have people who don't get it. Because when you buy into following off him honoring your request, you miss what it's about. Because he's met a lot of requests but the one thing I know about the request of why we follow him 
is that you tap out. And here's what I know about Christianity. This is 33 years of doing it, so I think I've got a little bit of weight to throw this out there. One thing I've learned about the Christian religion, it's easy to sell Jesus to desperate people. I need to keep you weak and desperate so you'll buy into Jesus. I need to keep you broke and tell you he'll give you money. He'll fix your marriage. He'll heal your back. He'll do all the stuff for you. Even though I'm throwing it out, and it is true, he can heal a back, he can restore a marriage. But know this, even if Jesus doesn't, there's still counselors who can restore your marriage. You can have a better marriage without Jesus. Just go to counseling and let them help you. You can help your sick body without God. Just go to the doctor and let them have a physician look at your nutritional help and give you a plan to get better. So what happens is we sell Jesus to people because we've lost the value of who he is so we have to sell your problem to get you to buy in. And that's great for initial buy-in. It just doesn't keep you in the game. Because the moment we sell it to you, hey, if you'll trust him, he'll help your marriage. All right, I'm in, man. You got it. I'm in, I'm in. And then three months later, the marriage isn't better. It's not that he won't, it's that I sold the wrong product to people. And the buy-in becomes, once he doesn't do it for me, I'm out. I tap out. I, I, I stole this off Google, but you're welcome. <laughs> this is my opinion. Don't go out and preach it, it's an opinion. To me, this is Christianity in America. It's little Aladdin down here that's called a Christian shining his little Bible trying to get God to do something for him. We want God to be our genie. We want God to serve us. God to fix my car. God to get me into college. God to heal my kid. God to bless my marriage. God to let me get pregnant. God to sell my house. God to help my investments. Whatever it is. Rub, rub, rub. Come on little genie God. I need you to do for me what I need you to do for me. Now, I'm not opposed because Jesus said, ask, and I'll do it. I'm just simply proposing that a lot of modern Christianity today is us rubbing some religious lamp, wanting God to meet every request, and when he doesn't, we're ticked. Because I'm saying the right mantra. Alishazam, hocus pocus, I'm using all the right words. They told me to quote a scripture and I'm quoting that scripture. They told me to sing and I'm singing. And I'm just waiting on God because, man, I'm doing everything the little magic book told me to do. And this is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. If anything I would do, I would flip it. And I would say this would be Jesus. And this would be you. And you come out and go, how can I serve you, Jesus? Master, how can I serve you? Whatever you need out of me, I'm here to do. That's totally different. Because few come to him going, um, just tell me whatever you want me to do for you, I'll do it. However you want to use me, use me. Much of my early Christianity was selfish. And I'm not saying it's wrong. Because I think there's some buy-in to it. Like my elbow hurts. Oh God, I just need him to heal my elbow. And then he does. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Woo, I'm going to shout my elbow. Mm. 
my elbow's healed. But the weird thing is I'm still looking at porn. I'm still angry. Oh, but he healed an elbow. Yeah, but nothing changed. The, your little God jumped out of the box and spooked you with a healing, but nothing ever changed in you. And this is the problem because what happens is, remember the crowds? This text is pulled out of one of the longest chapters in the New Testament, John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, for the sake of time, there's about 6,000 people on a hillside who've all shown up because of the magic power Jesus has possessed, at least in their mind. He's a, he's a guru. He's a prophet. He's a he's potential Messiah. He could be God. We don't know, but man, is he doing some cool stuff. And they show up on the hillside. A kid shows up a little cheese sandwich and a fish and a piece of bread and and miracles start happening. And then everybody's following going, man, this is incredible. you got to come. This Jesus dude, you got to come in. He's, he's doing weird stuff. Like he, he took a fish and multiplied it. And he's healed dead people. And, and now the whole town is like. <laughs> and so they show up. Now when they show up on the hillside, Jesus seizes the moment. Oh, it's not an Instagram live moment. He stands on the hillside and says, Yo! That's my interpretation if I ever wrote a Bible. Yo! Everybody here that's been coming for the cheese sandwiches, hear ye, hear ye. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, thou shalt not have life. That may be cool if the crowd following you are vampires. <laughs> they are Jews. And Jews don't eat flesh and drink blood. So this is a jugular shot. This is a everybody out there buzzing moment. I'm about to throw the blanket on the buzz. Hey, you want to follow me? and you showed up for your little feel of all the magical things you think I'm doing and all my little power things, let me tell you something. If you want to come off the hillside with me, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. I'm thinking that this little word in yellow after this, it sounds really romantic, but after this is your business just lost 5,000 potential customers. They were going to fund the ministry. This is how we would take Rome over. This is how we could get rid of Caesar. You know they're thinking that because Peter's chopping people's ears off later. Dude, Jesus, if I was his marketing manager, I was like, bro, don't ever give that sermon again. That's stupid, dude. They're going to cancel you. Don't say that word. That's his dirtiest saying vaccine. Oh, don't. Do not talk that way. Jesus didn't even care. Because he was showing us something about humans that humans will follow him out of desperation, but desperation will not keep them in the game. Humans will follow him to get things out of him, but it won't keep them in the game with him. After this, many of his disciples left. 
They no longer wanted to be associated with him. Why? Because now, you, now, now you're requiring things out of me that aren't my request. They're your request. No, nope, no, nope, I'm out. Now you're asking me to give up addictions and things. Nope, nope, I'm out. I wanted you to heal my back, but now you're asking me, nope, nope, I'm out. Because what it's teaching me about following him is it's easy to follow as long as he jumps through all my hoops. But the moment he calls me higher, the moment he says to me, son, this ends in your life today. If you're going to follow me, this stops. Uh, oh man, oh, okay, I'm out. Like, how arrogant would you have to be? It's because their buy-in was never the buy-in of reality. It was the buy-in of potential hope that my brokenness could be fixed. Now, here is if if I was teaching it theologically, my mind hurts and I have to stop and ponder. Because then Jesus gave the 12. So this is not a good business plan. I went from 5,000 down to 12. The guy that ran them all off the hill says to the 12, Okay, boys, here's your chance. All right, what is it? What is it? What's my chance? Oh, the chance? Do you want to leave too? Watch this, not here's your chance. Okay, chance, I can use my gifts, I can start a business. You're going to anoint me to do something powerful. I just need to know my purpose. If I know my purpose in this world and I know my gifts, gifts and purpose, if I know my gifts and purposes, I could do something incredible. No, none of that. There was no talk of gifts and purposes. It was, hey, fellas, you 12, gather around right here. All right, y'all saw what happened. Oh, Jesus, man, we lost 6,000 people. Look at the mess they've left. Yeah, you guys are going to pick that up in a minute. But until then, (laughs) until then, here is your opportunity. I'm giving it to you. You can thank me later. This is your opportunity to tuck tail and run because I ain't playing games. This is your chance to leave. You can leave if you want to leave. And Pete, here's what's real. This is what gets me. I told you, my mind it plays games, and I have to really p- dig deep in Scripture to try to understand this. Oh, and P.S. If you leave like they did, I'm not chasing you. Oh, he leaves the 99 and he goes to the one. Yeah, I love that parable. But this one alludes to you walk off the hillside and you don't want to follow for the reasons I want you to follow. I do not chase you down. You follow me. I don't follow you. That's why the rich man walked off and he just goes, well, it's a shame he won't make it in the kingdom. We sell a gospel to people that you just run, tuck tail, and go north. And Jesus is behind you. Oh, please. Oh, please. Oh, please. Come, please. Come, please. I'm not opposed to that. I'm not saying he doesn't pony behind you while you're at the club waiting out there. What are you doing? Well, I'm just at the club waiting on him. Try again when he comes out of the club to ask him to follow me. I'm not saying he won't sit there in the parking lot of the club with the Holy Ghost and wait on you. 
He is a big God and he loves us all. And he doesn't want any of us to perish. I'm just asking you for one brief minute of your religious mind to tell me why the God that came to save humanity looks at him and says, do you want to go? Then go because I'm not here to follow you. You all are here to follow me. And I'm not chasing you down and going after your little whims and your little whiny ways. I want you to know if you're in, you're in. If not, this is your chance. There's the door. That hurts. That hurts an egotistical religious person's feelings. It stings a mite. I want to ask you right now, how much more do you want him to chase you down? How much more is he going to beg you to get your life right? Are you tired of grandmama praying for you yet? This is what he's saying to these fellas. Come on, this is your chance. It sounds rude. I don't mean it rude, but I do mean it, but I don't, but I do. I mean, I do because I'm passionate. I don't because I'm so caring, but I do mean it. So I'm going to be mean and nice at the same time. Listen, either serve him or don't. If you don't, I love you regardless, but we ain't got time to chase you down. Maybe 10 years ago we could have, but we're in a generation now where we need all the followers buying in and staying in. You running around from every church trying to be happy, trying to find a preacher that makes you giddy, trying to find the music that excites you. Get over it. It was never about that anyway. It's never been about the music or the preacher. It's been about a kingdom and a God that's calling us. We've turned it into preachers and stuff. Oh, I don't like the preacher. Well, he probably doesn't like you either. Grow up, it's about Jesus anyway. That's who it's about. So I'm just telling you things I've had to work through. And I want you to like me, right? Like, it is about the preacher. That's what I want to say. It is about the preacher. I am one. <laughs> this is my thought. It's a good one. Many followers of Jesus tap out the moment a request is not honored because their value of following Jesus is rooted in human propaganda. The moment Jesus didn't do what I asked him to do, human propaganda, I tapped out. Well, if he's God, he should have. And if he is God, why does he let babies suffer? And if he is God, why did my kid get sick? And if he is God, why hadn't he healed my back? And if he is God, I don't understand why abortion. If he is God, why the wars? And if he is God, why didn't he come down here and do something? He did come down and do something. He's already done all he's going to do. Now it's up to us followers. If you're wondering why evil exists in the world, it's not because God didn't kill himself for evil. It's because all God's kids forgot to go tell everybody that the way evil stops is the hearts have to be changed. I just want evil to stop. Then go win people to follow Jesus. And if you follow Jesus, evil will stop. So it's not God's fault, the reason that evil is still here. The fault is hearts are not changing. If hearts are not changed, they're evil. And if evil hearts are in charge, you get evil. So that's human propaganda. Because human propaganda is he needs to do everything I ask him to do to prove to me he's God. And if he doesn't, I'll tap out. I'll watch YouTube, I'll be kind of shallow, mediocre Christian, whatever it is. But here's my question, and this is where I want to end today and get you to think. What was the original buy-in from the early followers? 
by that I mean this. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people followed Jesus when he was alive. But at the end of all of it, 120 people bought into it. Statistically, that's not good odds. So it tells me the buy-in had to be something bigger than the miracle. The buy-in had to be bigger than him wowing you with answering a prayer. Because he did all of that in the Gospels, but by the time we get to the book of Acts, 120 people. Either he's a terrible leader, and he didn't do well leading, but if you've got thousands wowed by your power, but only 120 buy in, it must tell me that the buy-in may be a little different than what we've been told. Now here's the thought. I'm not to scare you. I'm not a prophet, but I feel kind of Property right now. <laughs> Our culture is such now that if you don't buy in all the way, you will tap out. You won't be able to compete with it. It will pull on you too hard. So the buy-in is what? What is the buy-in? Well, let's go back to the verse. After this, there's the moment, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Many of his disciples left, John 6, 67. They no longer wanted to be associated with him. I guess they don't like him now. He's not wowing them. He's not answering their prayers. So Jesus gave the 12 their chance. Do you want to leave? Peter answers the question. Beautiful. You don't even have to think about it now. He just answers it. Here's the answer. Master. Hello. Go back to my little Aladdin drawing. Master. In other words, Jesus is holding Peter and Peter's like, Master, I'm here for you. To whom would we go? What are you talking about? Us leave? I mean, they all left. Yeah, us. Where are we going to go? You have the very words of real life, eternal life. Now they rolled into the real buy-in. The real buy-in is not walking on water and dead kids coming and blind eyes seeing and deaf ears hearing and leprosy. The real buy-in is this guy is the guy that gets us eternal life. That's the buy-in. The buy-in is he can do something no other human can do. A doctor can heal you. A wizard can do magic. A witch can walk on water. But none of those wowie people can give you eternal life. And that's what we bought into. Where do you think you have the words of eternal life? We don't care if you ever tell us to eat your flesh and drink your blood. We're in. I'm going nowhere. I don't care if you ever hear another person. I'm in. I'm, I love what it says. I am very committed ourselves to the confidence you're God. We have already decided you're God. Well, what if he never does a miracle? I don't care. He's God. I serve him because he's God. And he's going to give me eternal life. One day I'm going to breathe my breath. And when doctors have done what they do in the world can do in my retirement and my bank account, I'm going to go, beep, 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 and I'm just going to... I'm gonna, die. However, what I read in scripture, <laughs> I don't die. I go, <laughs> and I'm standing in another world going, holy God, I don't even die. Y'all think I died because y'all are all down here going, <laughs> we're going to miss him. And I'm going, dude, do not pray me back. 
Do not pray me. I do not want to come. No, no, get away from me. Get away from me. Quit, quit. Stop singing that song about Lazarus. I don't want to come back. That's what I'm going to do. Lazarus, no, 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 no. That's what you get. And he owes you doodly squat else. This is the buy-in. The buy-in is he gives you the one thing the world and nobody else can give you, the right to keep living when you <laughs> go. And he's like, hey, man, welcome. You're right with me now because of what I did. And the world is filled with people who want him to impress him and answer their prayers. And when he doesn't, they're ticked off at him and they don't want to serve him and they're mad and they're questioning him and they're upset at him because nobody's ever sat in front of him and go, do you not know that he has offered you the one thing nothing else can do for you? The one thing is eternal life. Some of you are going to be thinking, man, it's hot down here. You keep living. And at that moment... When no doctor can do anything, no mother is there anymore, no friends are there, there's no TikTok story. We just filmed you leaving planet Earth. There they went. In that moment, you keep living. And it's just this transition from life to life where he wants you to buy in. Because nothing can compare to it. Listen to what Paul says. I once thought that there were things valuable... But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ did for me. He doesn't say for what Christ will do for me. What he's already done. Meaning the intimation is I serve him and if he never does another thing, I serve him because of what he did for me. And he owes me nothing. I just serve him. Now out of that, when you come to that, I serve him because of what he is to me. Oh man, your faith begins to rise. You're, you begin to call on his name. And then you begin to ask. But now the asking and the miracles and the power that wields through you is not to impress you. It's because you bought in. And now he's going to share his glory with you. He goes on to say, this is Paul. I just consider everything worthless compared to this infinite value I'm going to take you here in the future of knowing Him. Again, it wasn't what He could do for me. It's, I just want to know Him. I want to know what He's done for me. The final verse, the value of knowing Christ, the thought is this. It begins with spending daily time with Him. This is where I'm going to have my big ask now. I'm going to ask bigly. He gave you eternal life and He wants you to know Him and stop being so hyper-focused on what you want Him to do for you and get to know Him. And in the getting to know Him, a peace comes and a hope arises and faith is strengthened. I want to give you one verse that will help you understand. This is the end of Jesus' life. He's one day away from being murdered and crucified. He brings his 12 together, the 12 that said, I'm not tapping out. The 12 that said, count us in, you have eternal life. He brings them into a room. He sits down with all of his followers, and this is what we call communion. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Jesus broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples. There's the people that stuck in with him, those that bought in. And then he said this, this is so strange, but it's so powerful. This is my body. 
given for you. In other words, the thing he's going to give you is not the miracle, not walking on water, not a healing. He's going to give his body to you. That's the greatest gift, is he gave himself to you. And then he says, now you just need to remember this, that it's about me, not you. It's about my body, not your body. You going to remember this, Mark? I'm going to try. Life's hard. All right, let's take it another step. After the supper, he took a cup of wine and said, this is the cup of a new covenant. And he said, it's between God and his people. It's an agreement that was confirmed with my blood. And so now I understand, wait a minute. I'm not just down here by myself trying to get a miracle, trying to get a healing, trying to get him to help my gimp hip. No, I have a covenant with the almighty living God. And he, it's not, now watch, here's where we get wrong. We want him to heal us because we were so desperate. I want him to heal me because he pities me. I want him to do a miracle because I'm sick of suffering. He says, boy, what are you talking about, Mark? It's not about you. It's about my body. It's not about your problem. It's about my blood. But know this, son. The moment you come into a covenant with my blood, there is nothing on planet Earth that will ever stop you or hinder you or stand in the way. Because I don't do it for you because I pity you. I did it for you because I bled for you. I don't do it because I feel sorry for you. I do it because I have a covenant with my own blood for you. And it is by my blood that you are well it is by my blood that you have favor it is by my blood that you walk in victory it is by my blood that you have peace this is not about your problem mark and your little penny any whiny attitude this is about the blood that I shed for you and if you understand it's been about me the whole time my body and my blood and I'm going to call you into that boy and when you come into it there is no weapon on earth that shall ever stand in your way if I be for you who will be against you? What sickness can come against you that my blood will not overpower it? What problem can hit you that my body's not already paid a price? That's the buy-in. The buy-in is not what he does for me. It's what he did for me. And now my buy-in is, dude, I'm in. I'm Man, his blood, his body, I'm in. Count me in. He never healed another human. I'm in. Well, why do you pray then for him to heal you? Because I have a covenant. I have a covenant with God Almighty that he is on my side. And if God be for me. I haven't done that in forever. I don't even know if it's still a thing. I, I felt it in my spirit, though. It's probably so far outdated, it's stupid. I got a covenant with blood. Come on, get over. If he doesn't do it for me, he already did it for you. You just have to step into it. You have to come into that covenant and go, hey, I want you to know my buy-in is that you called me into your righteousness and my buy-in is your body, my buy-in is your blood. Here I am to serve you. Let me know what you want me to do. And when you do that, oh, buckle up. Now here comes the challenge. So before you react, think about it. Many of you know last year, Robin and 
went through a journey about with cancer. In that, the thing that took us for a loop is they told her she would need chemo. I highly advised against it. She said, I prayed. I feel like I'm going to do it. I jumped in and said, I'm behind you 100%. So that wasn't part of the plan for her to do chemo. Umar, sitting here, is an elder in our church. He came up to me and he said, hey, pastor, I felt like the Lord spoke to me that every time Robin goes to do chemo, you're to do communion. Remember that? And I said, yes, sir, I'll do that. And so before every time they infused her with, with radiation and uh, you know chemo, Robin and I would sit down with a piece of bread and a whole cup of juice. Who would ever think a piece of bread and a cup of juice came from Kroger? Ugh. Most of you remember my story. I ran out of bread and I went to like a Zippy Mart. I, I did like marathon gas communion. Like just, but it didn't matter. Because he said, boy, when you hold that bread, it's my body for your bride. When you drink that cup, it's the blood of my covenant for your bride. And we did it. I don't know if it felt spiritual because looming on this side is, but looming on this side is we're obedient to the communion. We did it. Here's, this is astounding. If you Google the medicine they put her on, it, it, it would blow your mind of, of all the stuff that's going to happen to you. It's pages of problems. But I want, I want you to know the power of God Almighty. Because it wasn't because we were so spiritual. I think we were a little nervous, to be honest with you. I mean, I don't... I know she had a lot of faith in it. I'm just kind of like alone for the ride. Like, I'm here. I'm, I'm good. But oh man, when you realize it's not about you, it's about his body and his blood. We took it every single time. She came through it with flying colors, didn't have one issue that Google said she should have had. Now I don't I don't not necessarily understand that in the moment. I didn't understand it. I was just obedient to this fellow that told me to do it. Oh, today I understand it. Because in that moment, I realized it was never about her anyway. It was about his body. And all I needed to do was connect her body to his body. And it was never about her poor little pitiful situation. It was about his blood. And all I needed to do was connect her up to his blood. And in the moment she connected to his body and his blood, supernatural things started happening in her life. So here's what I'm going to ask. This is a biggie. I'm asking everybody that follows Jesus that calls this place home. If you're, not a, if you're not part of the family or a member here, this is cool. Do it if you want. But if you are, I'm issuing you a challenge. I'm going to ask you to do daily communion every day for the year of 2023. My, my opinion to that is, I hope you brush your teeth every day. I'm assuming most of you tinkle daily or you'll blow up. All of you sleep daily. So if you can sleep daily, scroll daily, work every day, eat every day, brush your teeth every day, and go to the toddy every day. I'm just throwing it out there. You should be able to take communion every day. It has to be a habit, though. So what I'm going to ask is tomorrow morning or night, whenever you, it needs to work with your schedule, go to the grocery store today and buy you a loaf of bread. It'll cost you about $230, but invest in it. <laughs> right? <laughs> Some of you are like, I, I, I need a credit card to do communion. <laughs> oh, 
cheaper than eggs, right? <laughs> go get you, now watch, go get you a thing of bread. And for those of you that aren't religious, get a bottle of wine. For those of you who are, get grape juice. Either works. Both work. Both of them work. But somewhere in your morning or evening, I feel this. Now, I'm not trying to go all weird on you. If you will just simply sit down and go, God, may I connect with your body. And may I connect with your blood. Now, here's what I felt. Again, we're going to test it, all right? So this, this is what I felt as I was praying about today. I felt the Lord said, son, if you'll do it and challenge my kids to do it, I'm going to wow you with my power. So, I don't know what that means. But I'm just going to ask tomorrow morning or tomorrow night, you just gather together. I'm going to try to be on it all the time with you. I encourage you every day. I just want you to break that bread. God, it's your body. It's your blood. Before I get frustrated with traffic, my marriage, my health, may your body, may your blood. And we're just going to see that by December 31st, if your life hasn't shifted, if supernatural things haven't happened, if healings have avoided you start coming, if things in favor and wisdom don't begin to happen, why? Because we're going to buy into the real value of what this is all about. Stand up and let me pray for you.